This is Mind Wars. I'm Chris Ryan. And on today's show, I'm delighted to have a very honorable and true man today is a guy called Dr. Sam White. Dr. Sam is actually a whistleblower from the NHS and those from that are listening abroad. Um, the NHS is the National Health Service here in England. I first came across Sam was approximately about maybe two months ago when the video went viral. The seven or eight minute video that, as I said, did go viral. I believe it's over a million views and, and counting at this stage. I won't actually get into what is involved in the video. I don't want to spoil it for you because that's why I have Sam here today because he's actually going to go through it himself as to what it was. And I think that's no better place to start off the conversation is before we get into Sam's background, et cetera, et cetera, and other stuff we want to get to as well. I think, Sam, this is the best um, position right now is we can just get straight into what this video is about, how, where it went viral, how it went viral, and, and how your life completely went 360 literally overnight. So without any further ado, uh, Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's really nice to join you, Chris. Um, it, was, it was somewhat un unintentional, just to say the least. Um, but imagine if you like working somewhere for, you know, a year over a year, not being able to speak out. Um, not feeling as if you've been listened to and as if truth and science um, doesn't matter anymore. Um, and I didn't really use social media at all, I'll be honest. Um, I think I had a total of 11 followers on Twitter. It was ridiculous. Um, but I, I, I never did. I don't think I'd even done a tweet even myself, <laughs> just sort of retweeted people that I liked. And I was basically following it to for information for me, you know, crypto, all that sort of stuff, you know, um, and then also people that were speaking out as well. And one day, it was early June, a chap had said, what are all the doctors doing about this? And I, it just got me and I just thought, I've got to tell my story. Um, and it, it started off with me talking about how I'd resigned as a partner from a uh, NHS GP surgery at the beginning of the year. Um, as you know, we were one of the first countries to roll out the vaccine schedule. Um, and that was, that was initially the Pfizer one. And all along, I mean, quite soon after the announcement of a pandemic, I was asking questions. So if you, if we go back to when lockdown was first announced here, uh, in the UK, we, we as a group of GP surgeries have put together like a red hub um, place where patients with potential COVID could go and be assessed. And I did two shifts there. And the first shift, I didn't see any patients. Okay. And then the second shift, I didn't see any patients with respiratory symptoms. So that got me thinking, um, what's going on here? Because you have to remember, this is a time when people were losing their livelihoods. Um, this, you know, I was driving to work and the roads were empty. It was a really unusual world to suddenly be in. Um, and I began to question the narrative, which seemingly could not be questioned. And so that video essentially came out of frustration um, and um, seeing a great amount of harm and wrong being done to people in this country and all around the world. Um, so in December, um, I kept thinking that um, the government would say, oh, we're not ready with these vaccines yet. But the, the narrative had been building all those months before with the, the vaccine is your only way out of this. If you're really lucky, you can get one of our great, fantastic, developed in record time vaccines, which doesn't work in any way like other vaccines. Okay. So Someone could say, oh, he's an anti-vaxxer or whatever, fine. But tell me how this is in any way like another vaccine. It's not, okay? And 
I had already looked at the trials in 2004, the animal studies with SARS-CoV-1. I saw what happens with the antibody dependent enhancement phenomenon, where basically they were testing these uh, vaccines on, on animals and the animals died, essentially. They all got, you know, multiple organ failure and died. So I'm thinking, why the hell are we doing this when there's doctors around the world saying, oh, I'm, I'm using this to treat my patients in the community. So if you're a community doctor, a family doctor, your, one of your priorities should be to keep people out of hospital and look after them where they want to be at home. Okay. Now, all that time that the, the vaccine narrative was going, that that's the only way out of this, and it still is. No doctor in this country can prescribe um, safe, effective, proven therapeutics. And we've got the evidence. We've had it for a long time. Okay. Um, but after I spoke about this in my video, obviously, um, and I sp spoke about directing people essentially to the VAERS data, the European um, medicines data, and uh, the yellow card reporting system in the UK. And I said, look at all the people that have died, that we know have died or have been injured. Okay. And know that that is just a fraction of what the bigger picture is. And of course, we had some evidence from the VAERS uh, about a week ago that actually the, num the true numbers are a lot higher. And Ryan Formich alluded to a very high number last week, which, which really worried me um, in the US. And I, obviously, I talked about the PCR, you know, the Strasden PCR, where, um, you know, they can make it positive if they want. The idea that people were losing their jobs, their businesses, their livelihoods, and children weren't allowed to go to school on the basis of a positive PCR when they didn't have any symptoms. Okay, so if you don't have symptoms, you don't have an acute respiratory infection. Okay, that's just basic medicine. All right. And yet, yet, no one could question that. And as a doctor, mm -hmm. questioning all these things, I've now been labeled as essentially crazy. Okay. Um, and I, I, I think this is actually one of the worst countries at the moment for censorship. Because as I'm talking to doctors from around the world, who are using ivermectin, who are using hydroxychloroquine, who are using budesonide, all the, all the drugs I mentioned in my video, they cannot believe that doctors can't go near these medications here. Okay. Um, so, and at the very end of the video, of course, I talk about common law and how these, you know, statutory laws, which were put in place as an emergency at the announcement of the pandemic didn't apply to living men and women. Okay. And that's on my rap sheet for my appearance before. So following this video, I got suspended by NHS England. Okay, so I'd resigned already, um, but I'd gone back to do some what's called locum work. So you, you go and work at different practices for, I was gonna do that three days a week whilst, whilst I built up an independent clinic essentially. Um, and when you're a locum, a sessional doctor, you don't have any involvement with vaccines or responsibility like that. You just go and see patients. So I was quite happy with that. But I basically got a phone call one day asking me about my viral video from someone um, within, you know, high up in the NHS. And I thought it was a journalist, actually. Um, she, the, way she, the way that she was phrasing the question seemed like she was trying to trap me. Um, and then a couple of days later, I got an email to say I've been suspended immediately um for the safety of patients okay and and my my thing all along has been speaking up about the safety of patients 
but I'm con now considered a threat to patients. Okay, so that's that's where we're at in this country. Um, and as you know, I've got a hearing um, with the General Medical Council to decide the fate of my license to practice. It's an initial hearing on the 17th of August. I think we're going to try and get as many members of the public to join in as well and hear the procedures, really, see what goes yeah. on. Yeah. Um, you know, this, this is an organisation I don't think necessarily goes after bad doctors and has allowed bad doctors to perpetrate crimes for you know, a long, long time. Um, but I'm in trouble and I think the, the reason is to make an example out of me um, so no one else dare come forward. Of course, that, how, dare, how dare anybody question the narrative of the, the big pharma cartel in, in the background. And just to go back on what you said, did you, you said you had resigned. Um, had you resigned before you'd done the video that went viral? Yeah, or? so I'd resigned end of February. Right. Uh, and you're meant to work sort of six months notice, actually. But I, I took some time off for stress because I, I couldn't face seeing anymore what was going on. Um, and it became difficult for me to work uh, in an environment where my views seem so diametrically opposed to everyone else's. Um, the doctors are very accepting because doctors are, you know, like a bit like scientists, but clinicians. So they were just like, well, yeah, he's got that. But it just became a bit difficult for me, really. Um, and then I'm just thinking, I can't do anything. I can't help anyone. The doors are closed to the surgery. They had been for good best part of a year. Um, everything was done by telephone unless you needed to bring someone down. So we're building up this kind of tsunami of people who are going to get delayed diagnosis, delayed treatment, and delayed access to the NHS in every way, which they've all paid for. Um, and yet for me to say that, I must be crazy. So make of that what you will how did i say you felt kind of isolated and alone and yeah. i know of other said we said doctors and whistleblowers that some of them actually wanted to come on the podcast and when it, the push came to the shove they um, didn't have the courage that you have to actually come forward they, last minute they bottled it shall we say and didn't come yeah. forward at all but what they did say to me uh, off camera was they said that um chris you wouldn't believe the amount of people be it you know admin people uh, be it nurses doctors etc that are on your side of things, um, Sam, but they don't have that courage or bottle to go any further. And they feel isolated, like in different hospitals around the country, they feel isolated and controlled to a certain narrative, especially last year as well, more and coming into this year. But now, of course, it's, they're starting to change, you know, in, in America and different places as well. There's ICU nurses, I was talking about that. And they said that, you know, last year we were, we were heroes and we we're going to keep our jobs and everything was fantastic. Now that has turned 360, like, of course, everything is in, is in inversion with these people, of course. Yeah. So now, now that has completely changed. And now it's a case of like, well, we're going to lose our job anyway if we don't get this bloody, you know, this inoculation of debt that, uh, yeah. that they want to enforce into us. Yeah. Was there, my question is basically, is, have, I know you're saying you feel like that, was there many more inside, besides from the ones probably thinking, oh, he's a tinfoil hat wearing, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. What did you have much support inside, but the kind of the support was limited to like, look, Sam, can we not just talk? Can we just talk about this ourselves? Can we, you know, I don't want to hear any bills talking about because they might think yeah. we're crazy. Was there much of that kind of going on behind the scenes that obviously wouldn't have made it out into the media itself? How kind of big of a, in, a groundswell, if there was any groundswell at all in the background itself? Yeah, I mean, the practice I worked at was a really nice sort of semi-rural practice, but small. So there's only mm. four other doctors. Um, and I always got on, you know, really well with them. And I think they were just respectful of my difference opinion. But mm. um, I think in the UK, a lot of medical people were first in line actually to get the jab. Um, and then I think if you've got it, you want to believe in something, mm. don't you? 
And it's very hard afterwards to perhaps see the data that's now coming out and flooding certainly the new news, not the mainstream news. I mm-hmm. call it the new news, not alternative media, because it's the it's the future really, I think, you know, people like yourself. Mm-hmm. But um it felt very, very lonely here in the UK. And then the video went viral and suddenly people are reaching out to me from all over the world. And it looks very much to me, and you can see this dichotomy again in various states in the US, say Texas um, or um, Florida, where they've dropped all the COVID nonsense and regulations. Mm. Um, They've been able to form America's frontline doctors, um, which means that patients in America can get access to ivermectin or budesonide or hydroxychloroquine, you know, via sort of telemedicine. So it doesn't matter where they are necessarily. Albeit Simone Gold initially went through hell. You know, she was arrested mm. um, for, for speaking out. And I think, I think she might have lost her job at the hospital for giving someone hydroxychloroquine. It was something, something crazy. You want to make an that. example, of course, of her as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 And she's, she's a true warrior. Mm. Um, obviously, um, in the UK, things are different with prescribing. Um, ivermectin is what's um, called a special order drug. So even say I still was able to use my license to practice, I can't at the moment, so I can't prescribe any medications or anything. But say I was to do you a private prescription for a week of ivermectin, it'd probably be 100, 200 pounds or something ridiculous. Um, I don't know, because Mm. you can't see the price when it's called a special, because it's not commonly used. But my point all all along is if you can spend billions on an experiment, which Mm. is what has happened, the mass, mass human experiment on humanity, essentially, you can put and make and manufacture cheap, safe therapeutics like that. And that's not what's happened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's some really nefarious agendas behind this. Uh, and, you know, again, I talked about masks as well in my video because we've got data now showing that a, they don't work. They're not the proper ones in a clinical setting that have been provided. Mm. And in children, we're seeing, dangerously high levels of carbon dioxide retention, you know, very early on with them wearing masks. And yet this was a mandate. Everyone felt like they had to do it, you know, and you just see the destruction of society that's happened. Um, Families are divided about the whole vaccine issue as well. Um, And this has all been done as sort of to polarize society. And we've got to remember this comes, comes immediately after the great Brexit debacle here in the uk you know um so i think i think things are bad here in the in the uk i I do and um they obviously made these mandates for care workers quite recently as well um and i'm hearing from them and they're they're very afraid and that's that's quite a vulnerable group to pick on isn't it they're they're low paid overworked um and emotionally it's a very um challenging job i often had carers in my consulting room in tears because you might be looking after someone for months or years and then they go and die on you so you they've become like you have that attachment on yeah yeah they've become like a friend to that person um so to pick on carers i mean it's just it's just i find it really evil in that Mm -hmm. way you know because a lot of them are going to be young women and the biodistribution studies are showing a heavy concentration of this um, toxin, the spike protein, because I, I referred to the spike protein in my video as being pathogenic. Okay, so that means it causes disease essentially 
um, and it's going everywhere. And that's why you're seeing people with multi-system, you know, sort of sort of issues uh, on the reporting sites. Um, but there seems to be a high concentration of it in the ovaries, in the ovaries in women. You don't want it that uh, at all. Um, and then, you know, so it's what's happening to me is a tip of the iceberg compared to what's happening to the rest of the population. Um, but it does seem that there is some differences between us and the US. Um, I think it's worse here in, here in Europe, certainly. Right, interesting. Yeah, I know Australia are getting it bad currently at the moment. They're getting it severely yeah. bad at the minute. A lot of countries are getting it, but I mean, England, of course, you know, it was always they were always after the kids, of course, and that's that's what they're aiming for the whole time as well. As part of a, a depopulation program, genocide, we can you know use lots of different sweet terminologies on it, but they've been at this. I know we don't have time to go into it today, but the agendas that actually they just you, you mentioned the nefarious agendas that are behind this. You could do I've done many podcasts on this, be it Agenda 21, 30, all the secret societies, the New World Order, the Council of Foreign Relations, I mean the Bilderbergs, it goes on and on and on. But you'll find every single time that you go back to go back to the family bloodlines and go all back to them. And I know, I mean, you mentioned on, on uh, Christopher James' podcast, actually, um, the Committee of 300, uh, Dr. Yeah. John Coleman. I've, yeah. I've read that book myself probably twice at this stage. It's a very in-depth book. Very, you know, and to, to think that was done, I believe, back in 91 or 92, about 30-odd yeah. years ago. Early in the 90s, yeah. yeah. Very early in the 90s. I mean, you know, David Icke often referenced many stuff from that book as well, and he's yeah. a genius in his own right with the knowledge he has. Um, I mean, so it just, there's so many of these people out there as well, um, just trying to bring this truth forward. And it is a very real thing, of course. You know, the deep state is not a real thing. People don't like referring to that kind of stuff as well. I think it's just a bit of a, a theory and something that doesn't really materialize in the real world. It's <laughs> it easier to, it's easier to um, believe in something that, you know, that because that, you don't want to believe that's true, do we? Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a level of cognitive dissonance we all experience. And you and I probably broke through that a few years ago. Yeah, um, might have been twenty it's, years for you. I don't know. Quite a while you're talking. Yeah, yeah, probably at least fifteen plus. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but I, I said to Christopher James on the podcast uh, the other day, I said, you know, if JFK was here today and he was warning us about secret societies and infiltration rather than invasion, he'd be on Google as a conspiracy theorist, <laughs> just just yeah. like Robert Kennedy Jr. is now. Yeah, I googled him him the other day, and I was like, "How dare they?" You know. Yeah, it's it's it, it's unbelievable. Um, and I said, you know, I said they're coming for the kids, of course, in September, and, and they're trying to obviously I've just you know talking about this morning another podcast. Um, they're trying to come for the I believe it's a sixteen or seventeen year olds now do not need parental consent either. I mean, you yeah. know, the list goes on and on. Um, for a, for a, an alleged virus that had never proven um or shown to exist anywhere isolated anywhere in the whole bloody world uh, but yet they can come up you know in the space of you know a few hours to a few weeks to a few months of um you know this alleged vaccine we know we can't call it a vaccine but i mean from research i've done this has been well worked on before any any sort of covid-19 yeah. outbreak like this, this this isn't just materializing a couple of months this has been well planned in advance as to what's going on i know people still have the the fog in front of him kind of thinking, oh, it's all just all just an accident. This is what happened. What can we do? We come out of China and the Wuhan lab. He goes, no, forget about the Wuhan lab. That's just a distraction. The bat as well. That the wet. That, oh, that's just a complete distraction because at all costs, these elites need to have you believing. They can blame China all they want. If that's the distraction they want you to believe in, just to make you sure, make you believe in your head that that virus is real and it's there at all costs because they cannot um, make have the population believe that it's not there, that we're under a threat. We need to keep propaganda going. And unfortunately, I hate giving credit to any, um, any of the mainstream media because I, hate and with passion 
is um, they're totally unconscionable at all levels um, because they're, they're, the media could stop or start a war in the morning, but they've decided yeah. to prolong it. And I know as we go back into, you know, a handful of people owns the media and it's, the whole thing is completely orchestrated and they have to be good boys and they have to line up and they have to, as they say back in, you know, Nazi times, oh, we're just carrying out orders, et cetera, et cetera. I would just do my job. All this nonsense. I'm sorry, mate, but that doesn't pass anymore. People right. are dying here by the minute. That does not pass anymore. So you can't just say, oh, well, Boris put this statue act in place and I have to abide by it. What can I do? It's like, mm, you don't have to know. You do get a choice in this, in this world. And if we go down to common law stuff, which I know you've been going a lot into lately as well with, with Christopher James, that people that really open people's eyes as to what is actually going on the way people are incorporated and not knowing. So people are classed as citizens and all this, we have citizens' rights or I'm sovereign citizen. Well, you can't be a sovereign citizen, right? Or one or the other. It's an oxymoron. Like you can't be sovereign and a citizen at the same time. And you know, people probably maybe listen to that for the first time now, kind of go, what do you mean? Like, of course I got my citizenship. Yeah, ship, of course he did. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. all got to do with Admiralty right, Law yeah. to see. It's, it's, yeah. it's incredible. But I know- and That, that Sesquik AV Trust was set up in a very interesting year in, in England, wasn't it as well? Yeah. Um, I think that has- yeah. Yeah, the, the, the final one that they kind of came to really was that, I mean, there was many of them, like you go back to Pope Boniface back in 1302, which wasn't, yeah. it was actually, it was a trust itself. Evil. evil. <laughs> that's that's an unbelievable, probably one of the most evil men, you know. And, and, and being an inversion, you know, when, you, when we spell evil backwards, it's, it's live. So yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's, everything is an inversion that these, these people do. We go on to the, the 1666, the Great Fire London, which is the other SESTI QV Trust as well, which is yeah. a very powerful one. But I know that's, that's another story with all that kind of stuff as well. But, yeah. And it's very fascinating, but um, no, but getting back on, onto your own stuff as well for a minute, the, what I wanted to ask you was your background from what I know, you're at it about 17 years. Were you kind of, I don't like using the word awake sometimes, but before the pandemic nonsense, shall we say, kicked in, did you feel that obviously you love your job, you have passion for it, I can see that, I know that. But did you feel everything was kind of hunky-dory? That everything was kind of pretty bang on, okay? Or did you feel there's not something quite right here but I can't put my finger on it? Then the pandemic nonsense kicked in and then the more time passed there, I kind of go, oh, okay. Now I'm now things are becoming more clear to me. That the bigger picture is starting to come into place. Well, it's funny you say that because it's the last decade or perhaps more, it's been very difficult to um, recruit people or, and retain primary care doctors, in, especially in, in this country. A lot of them took early retirement because of various measures so the last few years i've kind of uh, dedicated myself to functional medicine and i have set up an independent clinic um, in functional medicine uh, as well because what i was finding uh, as someone who practicing 40 patients a day three hours of paperwork on top of that was it had become very dogmatic and tick box so you might come in with a particular problem but it pops up on the screen that I've got a different agenda for you, if you see what I mean. Um, tick boxes to get paid. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's that's gradually got better over the years in terms of the way they, they make those payments, but that was pretty bad for a while. Um, and I think that can leave the doctor feeling quite unfulfilled, but also the patient. So you, you might come in with a, a need, a requirement, and you might not get it because there's a different agenda going on. And it might be to get you on a medicine, um, which, you know, perhaps if you came in high blood pressure, say, and I just said, well, that this is the medication for you because you're this age and your blood pressure is high. Um, obviously, we do it a few times to check, but uh, we need these bloods. We're going to get a heart tracing. I'm ticking all these boxes, but we need to put you on this medication. Then we need to monitor you again in two weeks. But I'm not really asking you, hey, what's going on in your life? You know, are you stressed out? 
you know, you know, you just lost your home, you just got divorced, you know, maybe we could look at the bigger picture. Why don't we start with, I'm not you personally, but perhaps we could address your, your dietary nutritional practice. So I kind of transitioned into that and then recently did training with the Institute of Functional Medicine, which is in the US. Um, and to, to, when I resigned in February, I'd written two or three pages about my concerns about COVID-19 essentially and what was going on and the many harms. Um, the very last paragraph, was that I was going to start an independent clinic, you know, and in terms of uh, what happened to me in terms of being suspended by the National Health Service, I told them all of my concerns in my appraisal, which is something you do every year. And then every five years, you're revalidated. The person that suspended me um, actually revalidated me. And I'd even included in there Cardinal Vigano's letter. Do you remember that? I remember that letter. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That was quite viral, actually, at one stage as well, quite some time back last year. Exactly, I believe it was. Yeah, and I'd said, you know, I've looked at, you know, what he's saying in great depth. And I, I do think there is an agenda here. Um, you know, it's no coincidence that countries are moving all together in tandem. In lockstep, yeah. In lockstep, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, we've got this situation, um, which as a doctor, I just found intolerable. Um, where you can't use medicines you know that would, would help the other doctors around the world are stopping people going into hospital okay because what you've got at the moment here and it's still the same as i understand um is call us back if you get really short breath okay wait till you go blue is that any way to look after people when you know you've got a mountain of evidence to suggest these drugs if either taken as preventative, which you would probably want in the vulnerable, um, like the elderly, uh, and maybe your frontline staff as well. You know, you probably want them to take it. But, you know, if you start these medications early in the disease process, you, you stop it, you know, you put an end to it. Um, I mean, ivermectin works by essentially blocking the actions of the spike protein, where it binds onto the, the ACE2 receptors. That's how it works. And it also has an anticoagulant sort of effect so it thins the blood because you, you're seeing people when they get the later stages of the disease and their oxygen levels go down it's, that's when they're getting the blood clots you know from from the pathogenicity of the spike protein so it was just an intolerable situation really chris if you if you think about what your job is to do as a doctor you're not allowed to do that okay and then then all of the strain the irony of it is, is stay away keep the nhs safe you know protect is if you were treating people in the community, you would take the strain off the, the hospital-based system, wouldn't you? You know, because you're stopping people going in in the first place, essentially. And, yeah. and that's what's happening in, in countries that are free. I, I did a podcast with a great doctor in Sao Paulo, and she said, well, I've treated 100 patients in my clinic. Not one of them's gone to hospital, not one, not one of them's died. Mm. You know, and then we'll say what we're doing here. Well. You know, call us back if you get really short of breath. There's a big difference. My question on, on the, you know, on the thing, and I've asked other doctors as well, because I know I've, I've spoke to Dr. Andrew Kaufman as well, fantastic yeah. doctor as well, and yeah. Tom Cowan yeah. and what they're doing. And, you know, I mentioned the fact that, well, if, the, if there is no virus, and I've even, outside of talking to those guys as well, um, I've got loads of Freedom of Information Acts from England, from Ireland, from Australia, America, et cetera, et cetera. And they, can, they cannot prove that this is, you know, this is actually here, the SARS-CoV-2 being the alleged virus leading to the, the COVID-19, the alleged disease itself. So my question to many doctors, and some people have answered in one way, and other people can't really answer, 
what's, what's your version? And so the hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, many people don't know they're actually antiparasitic. So they're not yeah. clearing a viral. How can you have something, yeah. shall we say, a parasitic that's supposed to be allegedly stopping this virus that there is no virus? So what, to explain to people, I suppose, in simpler words, what's kind of happening there if it's not the, the COVID-19 slips there, the virus, what then yeah. is the treatment? Because I know people have said they've, they've give it to their patients within literally they said 24 to 48 hours they could see the complexion coming back in their face so it is making a difference my point is it's not clearing this virus this COVID-19 so what is it getting to other than that I'm I'm on the fence about whether there is actually a virus I know that people are saying around the world they haven't mm. isolated it but chatting like Dr Richard Fleming he's pretty sure that it is okay the issue is I'm not an immunologist or genealogist, you know, that sort of thing, you know, so um, I'm essentially just, you know, a physician. Um, And it does seem to be that there is a difference um, with patients who develop what what people are testing as, you know, SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19 in that they're getting this blood clotting. Now that does happen um, when you get um, a storm of cytokines, essentially, where the body is, is, is overwhelmed. But a lot of it is based on clinicians' experience in hospital. And I think some of it has been, you know, obviously pretty bad if you're an intensivist and you're working on mm. intensive care units and things. Um, so I'm a bit on the fence about, about mm. that because a lot of scientists are saying, yeah, we haven't isolated. And then others are, and they've got the, the sort of code, essentially. And Professor Montagnier's gone as far as saying, you know, I can see HIV splices in here basically when he saw you know the sequence um they and actually found that in, in australia last year and they actually had to stop yeah. the rollout they said they found bits of alleged hiv inside it. they said and uh, yeah 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 and you know so he's the guy who isolated hiv to, to begin with I, I believe um so i'm a bit on the fence there but it could be that okay maybe these antiparasitics work in influenza or other upper respiratory, you know, lower respiratory tract infections. Maybe that's mm-hmm. something we should should look into. Um, but I think Fauci himself published um, a while ago, you know, in his younger days, on the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine in coronaviruses. You know, so um, I I'm a bit concerned. Should we say that we know that these vaccines aren't effective? When you look at the Lancet study, the absolute risk reduction was was pretty much abysmal okay you can't there's no way you can justify it in a young young person uh, at all um particularly when you talk to people like prof mccullough who's you know one of the most published people on covid19 and he's saying i'm seeing these adolescents in my clinic with sky high levels of cardiac enzymes says evidence of heart damage um and they've got myocarditis they're seriously unwell we don't know if that's going to be permanent sort of leading to heart failure or, or whatever but you know it's truly terrifying to think that that's that could happen here as well and mm. then you know parents or younger people listening don't don't fall for it okay you, you, you've got your whole life ahead of you okay uh, there's just don't don't go with it yeah as, as bill gates says um uh, you know uh, only only good health comes in the form of a vaccine but of course he yeah. would say that of course um but uh and as he said at the, at the very early stage himself and uh, melinda or belinda or 
when they're divorced allegedly now and yeah but um yeah. yeah yeah you know they've said we we this this pandemic won't end until i think it was one of the first videos that maybe over a year ago it, this pandemic won't end of course until every man woman and child is vaccinated across the planet we won't stop on almost until we get you and now you yeah. see new zealand the last couple of weeks over there they've said basically almost pretty much we'll hunt you out of your homes to, yeah. is what they've said pretty much any of the the hesitant ones or you know we'd be able to class as unsafe because we don't we don't want to get to this space we don't want to be experiment, experimented on regardless of what people think like of, of vaccines per se as i said to people this is not any other vaccine people always oh, well, just like the flu vaccine just go off and get and this is the kind of ideology i'm hearing from time to time i kind of go no so you don't need any doctor or science that realize just do a small bit of research which is lacking i mean as i've said many times the frightening part to me was not this alleged covid and all this nonsense and this pandemic because people can believe in the virus they cannot believe in the virus, whichever route they want to take at the end of the day that the fact of the matter is there is no emergency there is no pandemic the only emergency or pandemic is on the media and in the governments and that's all and the propaganda machine that they've they've converted over the last 18 months well, they've always been at it but now it just became even more evident. They, they had to show their ugly head and they had to basically enter the room at this stage to push the agendas and forward as much as they can, of course. So my, I said, I've often said it, the most frightening part for me over the last 18 months was uh, simply the complicity of man and woman to basically mm-hmm. all over the world just to bow down overnight because some some guy in a goggle box, be it, be it Boris Johnson or whoever it might be, Whitty and all, all the crooks, Valance and all them inside, they will in time have to go before a trial for uh, crimes against humanity uh, one way or another they have to for the death that's on their hands be it the medazla i mean the list goes on and on what they've actually done to people in all these care right. homes and yeah. you talk back we kind of briefly touched earlier on the sesti qv trust and all that or some people pronounce sesti qv um and they say um and a guy i had on the podcast actually recently mookie um he goes under the system of uh on rights which is ex- extremely yeah. well you know she's so good the stuff she's been at for yeah. the best part of 40 years this stage She's done her homework on the SESTA QB and she's, she's, this is what she's come from her stuff over all these decades of, of research. And she said, obviously, we're, we're more dead, we're more, we're worth more money to dead than we are alive and the older, the better. So she says from around the 70 onwards, you, it's staggering. She says you are worth in the region of about 52 billion dead wow. to these people. That's what and I was like, wow, I, was, I knew it was a lot of money, but I heard 52 billion. And uh, this girl has done her homework on this. It's, it's incredible. So that's why they come for the elderly first. They don't, the 20, 30 year olds, you're not, you're not, or you don't yeah. earn as much for these people because of the QC number and stuff that actually works in the background for people. Um, but when you get into that kind of age, you're worth an awful lot of money. So obviously that's why they need to start calling the population in and basically take on the, the Benjamin Franklins, as we say. Um, it, was, it was a real eye opener when I put in my birth certificate number into, you know, search and uh, found it was a QC number. Um, like, wow. Yeah. Well, maybe I can get some of this because I could do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's all started on fraud, but that's that's another yeah. story. But um, exactly, yeah. so I know in in the few minutes or, or so we've left, Anya, um, how has I suppose how has life been in general? Like we, it's been massively. Obviously, you mentioned touching area from the video itself. I'm talking about how has life been in general from, I'm sure you've met the opposite side of the kind where you've a lot of people kind of gunning fear, shall we say, from all angles, yeah. be it, I don't know, maybe phone calls, random emails, et cetera, et cetera. You're an awful bad person, et cetera, et cetera. How has that materialized? But I'm sure on the other hand, have you grown a whole new family or how, how has your world kind of changed from that viral video that you were delighted to send out, but didn't know, I guess, the knock on effect it would have and how, I suppose, are you, how grateful are you or in a sense, or how, how much has that kind of, the weight or the shackles and chains being lifted off you to kind of realize, you know, you don't need your bloody license really. It comes, look at Tom yeah. Cowan, look at Kaufman. I mean, there's so many people who, who actually go down the road and kind of realize, yeah, shit, I don't need to be under this jurisdiction, this situation more to tell me what I can and cannot do to be yeah. a, a doctor. Because just because you don't have a license today, 
that doesn't mean tomorrow then you're you're the, you're an unqualified the worst doctor coming. You're still Sam, you're not still Doctor Sam's wife. You're still the same, you know, man. So how 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 is that materialized for you? you know, I mean, is your family? Um, how is how is family? That's a big one with lots of people. How is that going? Yeah, I don't, I'm not married or have children. Uh, yeah, or anything. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's been difficult. Um, because the accusations have been quite vicious, and it seems to be that they make a determination of your health based on things you might say, um, which is, is quite unpleasant because I don't know these people. Yeah. Yeah. They're not yeah. my doctor, no. you know? Um, but yeah, they've made that determination that I must be, you know, ready for straight jacket essentially. Um, at the same time. Yeah. It is like having a new family. Um, albeit they might be miles and miles away um, from various other parts of the world. There are a few people in the UK, but I think, as I said, the UK people are more fearful of coming forward um, than in other parts of the world. Um, but it has been incredible, the amount of support I've got and the sort of groups I've been invited to join, mm. you know, because I'm, I'm just this, you know, doctor in the community really, or was. Um, and now I'm on committees with professors and top scientists from all around the world. So... I'm like sitting there thinking, hmm, how did I get an invite here? Kind of thing. <laughs> I didn't realize um, one little seven or eight minute video would make me do yeah, lead to this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but there is a few other sort of primary care physicians from around the world who've had a very, very similar experience to me. Dr. Charles Hoff uh, in Canada, um, the same from the state sort of system. And then I started now to get bookings for my independent clinic. Um, and when people come to me, it seems to be that they're also frustrated with how things are. Um, we often spend some time talking about that and um, I can spend much more time with them. You know, it's expensive, but I, you know, as one lady yesterday, I was chatting for two hours, you know, and that doesn't happen, you know, and it, it, it does, you know, you can't afford it if you not a lot of money, I know, but um, that's, I can't really do much else at the moment, can I, you know? Um, and of course we've got, I've got my hearing on the 17th to determine how crazy I am and things. Yes. I want to get into that, which as well is the hearing and yeah. the crowdfunding. And so we can make people aware of what you're doing there in the background as well. Yeah. So I think, uh, the crowdfunding, we, you know, is, is going quite well. Um, but if you could share a link to it, so you, yeah, by all means, yeah, my lawyer has come at it from various different angles. And of course we had the letter to Simon Stevens, um, which was about 23 pages. Um, which they're still in the process of replying to, went to the Metropolitan Police, went to Parliament, and it cites both common law and statutory law breaches. Um, so kind of both things. But the idea after that is to bring about private prosecutions um, for these people. And just for people who are not aware, listen to it, they might want to know, they probably have a fair idea, obviously, by the conversation we just had. But mm -hmm. what, I suppose, what points are you putting forward or what is, you know, your, your, your solicitor, your lawyer, the legal team, shall we yeah. say, what are they putting forward? What are you trying to vindicate get out of this particular moment now before you go down the line maybe any further yeah so one of the key things for me in december which is the first essentially the first part of the letter is there is no informed consent here okay mm -hmm. so in december i could not have said to you this is the risk this is the benefit because there was no studies yeah, and then they hadn't, they hadn't tested this on it on elderly people who were the first to receive it they hadn't tested it on people who had multiple medical problems on multiple medication you've got people on 20 25 medications now yeah. days, you know um, so there are no interactions there. So the first thing is that there's no informed consent. So it's a massive breach of the law. Montgomery, you know, um, is the law there, I believe. Um, and you also, when you 
provide informed consent, you ought to be able to have a conversation about what the alternatives are. Okay, so the alternatives might just be we do nothing, or we give you vitamins because vitamin D, zinc, vitamin C, you know, all effective. Mm -hmm. You know, and you've got people in care homes who don't see the sunlight, put them on high dose vitamin D at least. You know, come on, um, or it should be these therapeutics. And I couldn't, so there's no way I could communicate with the patient and provide them with informed consent. So that's the first part of it. We're talking then about the you know, masks. So if say you go onto an NHS premises, yeah, it'd be mandated that you wear what they've termed a face covering. Okay. So that could be, you know, a bandana or something, you know, it doesn't really matter so long as your yeah. face is covered, you know, it's very, again, a very nefarious thing. So it doesn't do anything. Okay. Um, it's probably not good for you. We could be seeing people who are going to need their teeth pulled out because of the acidity in their mouth in a few years. Uh, mold infections, potentially new types of respiratory infections from chronic mask wearing. So that's that's the other thing. And then we get on to the issue of the harms and wrongs that have been caused already by the vaccines. And that stems from the process of lack of informed consent, because if you can't provide that and you don't know what you're injecting or what effect it's going to have, there's a big problem there. Okay. And it's so heinous to me to think that you've essentially got people going to hospital or dying for want of us being able to give them simple medications. Yeah. That's the bottom line. And if people think I'm crazy for saying that, okay, they need to do some research. Exactly. Exactly. And the key is uh, research is is key because I'm um, gonna say over the last 18 months the complicity and of people just simply not doing any research. I mean I try and even a uh, I've been at it a long time, but I try to compartmentalize it for certain people. Within 30 seconds, I'll know if that man or woman, is, are they, what level are they at today? You know, I can't just start into depopulation or Agenda 21 or, or you know, whatever it is, you know, uh, the Illuminati. You just can't. That's too over their head, yeah. you know, straight away. So you have to kind of compartmentalize it for people. But, I mean, I've, I've gone back to even, like, I've done videos a couple of months ago, of April and May, I think, on, um, you know, where the, where the government, you know, SAGE, that, I've Doc Connected them, I think, last November, and the various organizations, SAGE and all the Doc Connect I've done in, in, in that itself is incredible for people to to figure out and uh well you don't have to go too far into it you scratch the surface and you'll, you'll you'll come very close to some stuff but yeah the background is very fascinating with stage as well but and it all they, i mean everything's in plain sight people don't bother to look um you know they've they've, they've spoke about in the next course wave they said a few months back the next wave that'll be coming as you know they said 60 to 70 percent of the people who are going to um who are going to die or the people are going to have the the two jabs and they say this stage have this in their documentation we, that's that's part of the agenda i think as well so you you're going to be left in this autumn this winter if we can't get our hands on ivermectin say okay with the potential for this antibody dependent enhancement the potential for adverse reactions um to to manifest okay because to me it looks like you know, you, you i should probably say you, you know you're injecting a code to then manufacture a foreign body spike you know as protein essentially what does your body do with that it's going to mount an immune response Okay, and if it's going all over the place, that to me is almost the definition of autoimmune illness. So this this could take years to play out. All right, um, but they've basically left us without a control group because so many of the adult population, and now as you say, they're coming for the adolescents. Okay, that's where, you know, if, if there was ever a time to draw a line, and I thought it was back in December to be honest, yeah. uh, and I said so, and I said so to the NHS. But the problem was, Chris, that my video was never meant to be seen by a million people. Of course. It yeah. obviously resonated with quite a lot of people in some, in some way. And I've received an overwhelming amount of love and support. 
there's a few bots and trolls, but mostly yeah. it's been, this is actually quite refreshing to hear yeah. in, in the UK. There's doctors in the US who've banded together, but here in the UK, it's, I, I, I do think we're, we're struggling with them. You're, you're, you're kind of limited to that isolation. You don't feel there's many yeah. anymore on your side. I mean, you know, can you, can you foresee, I said, I spoke to people in the States as well, and they said there are more doctors coming out. The fact, you know, X doctor took the stance. Now I feel I can take the lead as well. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't seem the same, does it, in the UK from I'm, your understanding? I'm do you feel, do you feel yeah, there's going to be more Dr. Sampai's coming in the next couple of months or, you know, to, to brave it? Because a lot of them comes back at the end of the day. The usual excuse is, well, I don't mean it's, it's legit excuse for some people, of course. They put it down to, of course, the license, the mortgage, the car, the family, the kids, the education or the indoctrination um, that the kids have been given in school. Um, you know, I say you, you've no, you might, they might say you're in a better position because you've no family, you've no kids, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, I, I just think it's vital. You don't need the license. I mean, I did a great podcast last night, a few was with, with um, uh, Alex Newman uh, over in the yeah. States as well. And the education, well, the criminality of the education system, he covers all that as well. It's, it's just, you know, at all costs. I mean, he said pretty much he preferred to live under a bridge just so his, his kids were not in school. Money, yeah. all the materialistic does, does not mean jack shit, shall we say. Um, but do you see or foresee more people coming out, um, be it nurses, be a doctor, whatever the case, admin teams, yeah. do, you, do you foresee it coming out or do you feel that they just have in that bottle to take that stance because of being money in the background or mortgages or whatever the case is? I, I, I do think the GMC have an agenda in NHS to make an example out of me. Yeah. Okay. But it might get to the tipping point. And I think we are nearing there where, where people are waking up, um, to the data and, Yes, I've got to the point where I, I can say I'm not attached to my license. Okay, this is bigger than that. Okay, mm. this is far bigger than that than me. This backstreet, you know, doctor sort of thing. Um, if they take my license and want to call me crazy or lock me up, you know, <laughs> I've got my lawyer on speed dial basically. But if they want to do that, then fine. It's going to show them for what they are, mm. isn't it? Okay, um, but I. There are, I, I think, I think they, they brought the agenda forward and they're making a lot of mistakes. And certainly that was reassuring to hear from, from Dr. Reina Formich uh, last week. We did the Awareness Foundation sort of round table, um, which was really well received uh, all around the world. Um, and the Doctors for COVID Ethics, uh, did, we did a big symposium, it was, uh, two days there as well. Um, it did frighten me a little bit when I'm hearing from a doctor in Switzerland about how he was detained for six days, you know. Um, but I haven't got family as such. So if they want to come for me, I'd rather, you know, take my license to, you know, but this that's is the fear. Big, that's the fear. Bigger, still. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is bigger. Um, and we've got to all transcend that fear and wake up to a reality that's going to be very difficult to accept for a lot of people. But that's the only way we come together and deal with it. And I use the case of what's what's ahead in the autumn winter. It doesn't matter if you've had the vaccination or you haven't. You're gonna if you're vulnerable, you're gonna want access to medications you've been wrongfully denied and which has caused great loss to you, probably in terms of your family or you've already had and suffered, you know, COVID and things. And there's no reason for that. You could have you, you know you could have been treated. How do you see uh, in the last two or three minutes or so we've left, how do you foresee this winter, your own kind of prediction on it? I mean, Dolores Cahill, a lot of people have made huge predictions that, you know, Sage himself has come out with the 70%. I mean, you know, as I say, it's all there in plain sight, but and people still don't want to believe that. And if you put the gov.uk up beside him, no agendas, look, this is what they're actually telling us. You go, nah, I don't think they meant that. It's like, what? What do you mean? It's there in plain sight. How do you see it coming in the next couple of months? Winters are always bad in the NHS anyway. 
um, it's always we always struggle, and and that's this that's a seasonal thing. Um, but I I am worried. I'm more worried than any other years um, for what could happen, and that's why I think it's it's really pressing that people support like Bird, you know, who are working on the ivermectin research, you know, and Dr. Tess Laurie, um, so that we can make governments aware that we've got to do this um, and be allowed access to, to your rights to you know treatments that you deserve that you've essentially paid for that's that's fitting for you um you know we've got to do that and there needs to be an immediate cessation to the vaccine um i don't i'm loath to call it that chris because yeah. you know we had swine flu was it's in the 70s and 50 deaths and they said what well, okay yeah. uh, it's too much yeah. yeah we had thalid- we had thalidomide as well you know um which seemed to come about as a genuine error really from what i you know but this, we've got so many deaths worldwide. Um, this has got to stop. And we're only here, here on the tip of the iceberg, as you mentioned, Vars earlier, they're only give one to maybe 10% max if we're being generous. If you're only giving 1% of the data, I mean, it's colossal. The MHRA said in 2018 that yellow card reporting is probably about, you know, 10%, you know, and I think that's, that's optimistic. Yeah, at um, a push, I think it is. Yeah, I think we're probably closer to the 1%, but if we're being generous on figures, 10%, yeah. I mean... Still it, bad, still horrendous. Yeah. You're, you're talking you're hundreds of thousands um, at the moment yeah. over there yeah. have, has done it. Is there any final message, Sam, you would like to give out or even give out to your fellow man and woman in the industry itself that are... Yeah might want to come forward or, or you know, or listen to this now and say, actually, do you know what, maybe what can we do? What would be your advice or what kind of, what could you say to these kind of people now that you've kind of been on the, the both sides of the fence, shall we say? Yeah. It doesn't matter if you've been vaccinated or not. This is a time for us all to come together and realize that the people in charge, the people that are determining our fate do not have our best interests at heart. Okay. Um, their agenda is not to look after you or care for you. Okay. Their agenda is, is, is not one that we want to be a part of. So it doesn't matter which side of the, the vaccine fence you're on. We need to come together. In the UK, we need to make sure that as soon as possible, we stop the rollout of the vaccine, um, particularly when if they're trying to come for our children, our adolescents. Um, we already know the harms that that's doing in other parts of the world, but we make available safe, effective therapeutics. And I'd love it if people could get behind the crowdfunding for, for our private criminal prosecutions. Uh, and to help my legal funds. Because I should say as well, that I pay, when you're a doctor, you pay insurance um, to uh, protect you against any liability. Mm-hmm. And uh, the insurance company that I subscribe to and pay loads of money over the years refused to help me um, because this is not a clinical negligence issue. This is what they call a, a conduct issue. So behavior thing. Right. Okay, I was badly behaved because of my video. So they, they've refused to help. Okay. So that's, wow. and I, I think that was kind of pre-planned that doctors who came out and spoke out, they wouldn't be getting the help they needed from that, from a legal team. Wow. And can you, can you get any insurance moving forward or has the license be a big impact got to do with it? It's almost like driving a car. If you don't have a license, certain areas, oh, we can't insure you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, this this um, is a different license. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it's not worth the paper it's written on kind of thing, um, yeah. that might wake a few other doctors up, but um, that's why we've done the crowdfunding as well to help me initially with the GMC hearing. And then we try and go after, uh, I mean, I think we've got a strong case either way because this this is just overwhelming and the the number of experts and things is you know you know incredible 
Brilliant. Um, absolute pleasure to have you on, uh, Dr. Sam. So, um, no, fantastic. It says, and hopefully get you back uh, when you've gone further into the case and down the road as well. I'd love to have you back on and just updates as to what's actually happening and going on in England and just let other people know across the world. It's fascinating that there is more people speaking out, thankfully, coming forward um, and are not thinking of the purse strings anymore. They're actually, you know, coming forward, like what you got into the into the game in the first place was to help humanity. And that's what yeah. it's all about. And um, so, no, thank you for your, your, your time, your courage, um, you know, the truth that you speak to get out there because not many people, as you know yourself, I don't you tell that, are actually doing that. There's so many people I know in the industry still that are, I've said, I'd like to do what Sam are doing, or I'd like to do what maybe Tom Cowan doing, or Calvin, or what, et cetera. But we just, I just can't, I just can't get over that line to actually do it. So I know it's, it's a major, major thing. And I, I can't imagine what it's like to be in your shoes now, um, actually doing that, going ahead with stuff. But all I can say is you are on the right side of history and it takes tremendous courage and just, you know, bringing true out into that light as well. Um, coming forward it's just a massive massive thing so thanks for that i do wish you the best of luck with your with your case coming yeah. up as well and um yeah hopefully we'll just bring down these tyrants and all this yeah. uh this nonsense can eventually stop because at, at the end of the day it's you know it's it's acquiescence of the people and, and not standing up is basically how we got into this people say oh they boris is taking my freedoms it's like no mate no. You, you allowed your freedom. Nobody takes your freedoms only if you consent to misses, right? And you do not give away a freedoms for to flatten the cover two or three weeks or bars in a month later. So, yeah, I only borrowed them for a while and then I'm going to give it back to the next one. No, no, no. The good news is for people is the end of the positive note as well is throughout history, all tyrannies have failed. So that is the positive news. And I unfortunately I do believe we have to go through harder times. Yes, there will, there will be more lockdown stuff in the way, harsh ones, just like Australia and abroad. They're only happening because the people are not standing up. It's as simple as that. There's way too many of us and too few of them, but yet we let, we let the few out, out control the, the many most of the time. And it's just like, why, why, why half the time? But look, we could probably talk for hours. We could go on and mm-hmm. go on and go on. Thanks again. And thanks for everyone for watching and tuning and listening today. Please do like, share, and subscribe to the channel. And as Sam said as well, I leave all the links in the description below. Help him in whatever way you can. Spread the word, share it, donate, whichever way you can to help him with it with his major, major costs that he has. So until the next uh, episode, next walk and talk, or live stream or so, we'll chat you then.